dirt road in a gooseneck saddle up with me dry land in god's country crops far as i can see the headlights on both ends of my day this country Welcome, folks, to HPJ Talk, the podcast from High Plains Journal, bringing the ag news and commentary of the week to you. I'm Jennifer M. Latsky, and I'm joined by my colleague, Kayleen Scott. Hey, Kayleen, how's it going? It's going. (laughs) Hey, so uh, you had some uh, fun times this week. You took the boys to go get uh, the pig tags for 4-H. How are they doing that? Because I think there's been some some confusion on the show pig front <laughs> with all the precautions. Well, our county, they wanted you to fill out a form and say how many animals need a tag. They didn't, you weren't necessarily bringing all the county fair animals to town. They wanted to see the state fair nominated animals and they, they actually tagged those Friday night, but we brought Sean's pigs along just so we could tag them and have them contained but his are just county fair pigs. So to explain it to folks, um, when you have a market animal in 4-H, in, in Kansas 4-H, they are tagged at the beginning of the project. It's kind of like everybody's official start date, right? Yeah, and then they, in the past, they usually weigh them, and then at the fair, they have a rate of gain contest. Well, they're not going to do that this year because they didn't want to mess with weighing them. Which would be nice to know how much they weigh at this point, but I guess we'll have to find either somewhere to weigh them or you can measure them and use some math and try to get an estimate of what they weigh. You didn't run them across the grain scales on your way home? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, because there was five pigs in the trailer. (laughs) And they're all different sizes, so it's (laughs) not like you just take the weight and divide it by five. You know what? Take the average. It'll work. (laughs) (laughs) We thought about stopping at the, the feed yard on the way home, but their panels didn't go down far enough and the pigs could probably just crawl out. Yeah. Plus, you know, you got to worry about cross-contamination, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Um. So how else is the pig project going for your family? It's actually better than it was last year because Sean's more willing to clean out the stall because he's got his pigs at my sister's house and it's less of a fight than it was last year, so that's Ooh. good. A little bit of growing up there, huh? <laughs> Maybe. I'm not going to praise him too much because he might hear me and then not do it. <laughs> you know, it always helps to get that first year under your belt, and you see other kids that have done the work, and you see their rewards, and then you realize, hey, if I do that, I might get rewarded too. So, yeah. well, and. His mother threatened him the other day because he was talking back to me and being kind of mouthy. And I told him that if he doesn't straighten up, those pigs are going to town and I will keep the money. Hey, there you go. That always worked on me. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, I tell you what, my um, my days are filled with cattle you. 
And uh, we had some really good news here this week, folks. We got word from the Roundup Rodeo Committee that Dodge City's Roundup Rodeo will be going on as planned, as scheduled. And so we hope to see you all in Dodge City at the end of July. And um, we're going to have ourselves a rodeo and, and cattle use going forward July 29th and 30th. That's some good news, Kayleen. Yeah, it's good to hear that the Roundup is going to go through with the rodeo. And it sounds like they might have some social distancing things, but I think that's something we're just going to have to deal with as we go forward in this world anyway. You know, and, and honestly, I... I think with as many lawyers as we have in the United States and uh, with as many insurance policies are in place for, you know, events and, and event facilities, it's very likely that there's going to be things put in place for that may seem ridiculous, but are just a CYA, yeah. you know, and I hate that that happens, but uh, people have to understand that if you don't do it, I mean, it's just like, um, it's just like the, the liability of having somebody that, you know, um, has a slip and fall, you know, you, you make sure you clean up the the area so that nobody slips and falls in your, in your facility and you keep things off the floor unless you're a coffee shop and haze to not be named. <laughs> um, you know, you do that. Not only is it for the safety of your customers, but so that you don't get sued. So, yeah. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot more of that. I'm really excited about Cattle U's slate of speakers. I think we have a dynamic cross-section of cattle topics that we're going to cover in this second year. I And later on, we're going to have a conversation with Dr. Miles Thewer, who will be speaking at Cattle U in two breakout sessions. He's going to be talking about um, mid-feeding morbidity in the feedlots. And I know that sounds really dry, Kayleen, but it's a it's a situation that a lot of feedlots have, but they don't like to talk about. And there's some causes behind it that we're starting to figure out some more information about. So it's it's something to bring it out there. And then he's also going to talk about um, the health of our stalker cattles and stalker cattles, the health of. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> The health of our stalker cattle and uh, what you can do as a stalker cattleman to make sure that you bring in the, the highest quality animals onto your property. And when they leave, they're at the, the peak of their performance. So that way you can earn um, top dollar for them. And, and I think we've got a, a really great lineup. Um, Brandy Buzzard Frobos, who many know from Buzzard's Beat. Uh, she was the 2019 NCBA uh, Advocate of the Year. Beef Advocate of the Year, and she's going to headline our first day, uh, get us all riled up and, and enthusiastic about the beef industry. I'm excited about that. Kayleen, you're going to be interviewing her later on, right? Yeah, hopefully we'll get something put together. Brandy, I've I've actually known her since she was in college. I, one of the first well, first time I ever met her was at a an event that her and her classmates were putting on. It was the first of its kind, a, a lecture series. And I knew right then that that young lady had a lot of spark and a lot of potential and a fire in her belly for this for this industry. And so, if you haven't already gone out and checked Buzzard's Beat, um, you can you can check that blog out. I you know go follow her, and um, she brings up a lot of good 
things about the beef industry. She's uh, got a good perspective there, and I'm excited to to partner with her and bring her out to Cattle U. On uh, day two, we're going to have Danette Amstein from Maiden Marketing, and uh, Danette is incredible. She's she's got an incredible history in the in the cattle industry. She's a Jetmore girl. Um, I think at some point in time, I had actually remembered that, that she had grown up at Jetmore, Kansas, Kayleen, but she's going to, didn't ring a bell with me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's been out and about for, for quite some time doing great things for the cattle industry. Um, there, she's going to bring in some information about cattle marketing from the consumer research perspective. And especially Maiden has consumer research marketing now from the pre-COVID era and during COVID. Uh So I think that's going to be really interesting for us. Yeah, it sounds like that might be a good topic. Um, So I'm really excited. We're going to have Dave Nichols from Nichols Farms up in Iowa. Dave is a cattleman that all people know. He's, you know, longtime, well-respected cattleman in the the industry, and he's going to close our cattle you with a general session you know, sending us forward. How do we go forward? How do we make the best better? How do we take what we've learned at Cattle U and, and really um, put take it to heart and make some changes on our operations? Um, and you can see the whole slate of our speakers. You can see that online at cattleu.net. You can also register there. I'm really uh, looking forward to it, Kayleen. It's, it's an awful lot of work to put together a program, let me tell you. I'll have to go check out the schedule. I haven't been out there since it's been finalized. Yep. So that's been taking up a lot of my day, but we're still working from home. If you haven't noticed, hopefully we'll be in the office next week to record this in person. Um, It'll be kind of nice to see you again, because I haven't seen you for three months other than on the, on the camera, on the computer. Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's probably a good thing. I've been at home, but the other day, the, we moved the red cows back home with the calves, and they got out somehow and were in the yard and in the old shed. And I had no idea until I looked out the back door about 530, and they were walking through the CRP. <laughs> <laughs> so even though I'm home, I still don't pay attention to much outside. <laughs> they just went on walkabout. That's okay. Yeah, and then I... Told my husband, I was like, I'm gonna go put them in. What do, what do you, what else do you need me to do while I'm out there? He's like, Well, check the gates, make sure everything's where it's supposed to be, and I'll come home. And I managed to get the however many cows and twice as many calves back in and found a gate that was down. I don't know if it was just happenstance that the gate was down, but when I went to go find the rest of the cows, they the neighbor's cows and calves had tore down the fence between them by the water gap. So when Spence finally did get home, he had to, you know, rearrange where stuff was at and call the neighbors and the neighbors came to help, came and helped fix Spence. And we realized that there's a malfunction with one of the bulls. So he needs to go home. It's probably reason, one of the reasons why that there were six cows that, Bread. <laughs> oh no! In that bunch from last year, so yeah. So uh, are we? Are we talking? He just needs to go 
make hamburger or is he uh is he out of commission permanently or is this like a you know i think he's out of commission because something curved that's not supposed to curve so if he wanted to get a cow bread he'd have to try really really hard all righty then <laughs> <laughs> to put it nicely so bless his heart yeah well sorry there buddy <laughs> and then the next day i decided you know we don't have four-wheeler here anymore. It's down the farm, and the pickup is just hard to drive through the pasture. So I saddled a horse, and I went out there at 6.30 and rode through and found 12 of the neighbor's calves back in our pasture again. They had crawled through the fence by the water gap. So I put them in, and last night we went down and put another panel through the water gap. So hopefully they'll stay in now. Folks, this is real life. You know what, if you tuned in and you expected to have some sunshine and roses this week, let me tell you, raising cattle, you don't get sunshine and roses. <laughs> oh, it's just the cluster bleep that is the Scott Ranch, so, you know. <laughs> and my husband found a cow down in the in the creek at the, the place down south, so she's still alive, which is, is surprising, as hot as it was yesterday, and she was stuck in the mud. Ugh. So we got her out and back to the herd? Yeah, he said, he talked, I talked to him a little bit ago, he said she looked fine. So hopefully she's on demand and doesn't melt as hot as it is today. Yeah. Yeah, we are approaching 100 degrees, aren't we? Yeah, it was 95 when I was, when I went to town to get feed. And it looked like to the west that we might get some, a rain shower, but... I kind of crapped out like it did last night, so. See, you got to stop pre-blogging the rain, hon. You, <laughs> when you post to Instagram, God hears it and is like, nope, no rain for you. <laughs> yeah, well. Well, I tell you what, when we do go back into the office, um, Maggie Mayhem is not going to know what to do with herself. Um, yeah, thank my dog's bill either. I'm telling you right now, she is actually pawing at my leg because she hears the voice and she wants to get on the program. <laughs> Mine are laying in front of the uh, air conditioner vent. <laughs> well, we took her tags off, so um, that way you didn't hear the jingle, jingle, jingle. So <laughs> it's just uh, another day in the life of some ag journalist, folks. That's that's what you tuned in for. <laughs> I tell you, I got a really nice letter or a really nice phone call from a lady the um yesterday kind of came at a time where I just needed a good good call and she just wanted to let me know that she appreciated what we do um what our job is she wanted to know she wanted to let me know that she reads our stuff she takes a lot from it whether it's our columns your blog whether it's our cover stories and uh that really means a lot so I tell you what folks you know, when we say drop us a line or call us, we mean it, <laughs> don't we? Yep, we just sure do. It's nice to hear from, from people that read our stuff. So how are you folks doing out there? Drop us a line at hbjtalk at hbj.com and let us know or call us at 1-800-452-7171. Hey, and do us a favor, head on over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts. Leave us a review. So in this week's episode, we'll bring you the stories you might have missed in the June 1st print edition. We'll have a chat with Dr. Miles Thur, who will uh, be one of our featured speakers at Cattle U. Kayleen will bring us the latest on grain markets, and we'll have our final thoughts. 
This week's episode is brought to you by Alta Seeds. Alta will debut its new iGrowth Sorghum line July 8th in its first ever Sorghum Frontiers Virtual Field Day. iGrowth is the world's first non-GMO herbicide-tolerant sorghum that's commercially available in the U.S. market, enabling pre- or post-emergent weed control. Be sure to register for the online access to Sorghum Frontiers via www.hpj.com Sorghum Frontiers to learn more about this new trait and the company that's bringing it to your farm. It is lovely outside. My flowers are blooming, Kayleen. Um, the birds are twittering. It's reaching 100 degrees. I think summer is officially here. So uh, wheat harvest can only be around the corner, right, Kayleen? Yeah, by the looks of the wheat, uh, it's not going to be very long. So uh, you're probably out there putting together the combine and getting things ready to go. So thanks for riding with us here on HPJ Talk. returns to Dodge City July 29th and 30th. The team at High Plains Journal is moving forward to once again bring its Cattle U and Trade Show back to the United Wireless Arena in Dodge City July 29th and 30th. Staff members have been diligently crafting a program of speakers and panelists that will help cattlemen across all segments prepare for the future of their industry in a post-COVID environment. Yeah, Kayleen, I'm real, like I said, we're really, really excited about this. It's going to be one of the first events that uh, Dodge City is going to see after we all come out of our self-isolation. And so we are looking forward to seeing people, to having folks out on our trade show floor, uh, just getting back a little bit of sense of normal in, in this crazy world. And, um, you know, we've got a full slate of speakers. We've got a trade show that is filling up quickly. And so we, we really encourage you, go check out cattleu.net and uh, and come on out. Now, if there is a contingency plan in place, and is there's a special notice that goes along with that story, isn't there, about if the event does happen to be canceled or, you know, refund policy and that, that sort of information is all on the website, right? Kayleen, you're right. There is a letter on cattleu.net that talks about our cancellation policy. And um, of course, we want to make everybody aware that we are trying to do the very best that we can to keep everybody's health, safety, and welfare into account, like we do at all of our events, but especially now. So we want you to, to understand and be safe. And Kayleen has a story inside. Religious studies professor discusses how faith influences thoughts about food. A religion professor might not be the first thing when scheduling a slate of speakers for a livestock meeting, but Alan Levinowitz shared his thoughts on religion and science as it relates to food during a segment at the Animal Agriculture Alliance's Stakeholder Summit, May 7th and 8th. Levinowitz is an author and associate professor of religion at James Madison University, and he examined the intersection of philosophy, religion, and science focusing specifically on how narratives and metaphors shape beliefs. But most recently, he's been speaking to farmers at ag conventions, among other groups. 
quote, all of those speeches end up coming back to this concept that I have found fascinating to pursue in my own professional life, which is the idea of nature and naturalness, Levinovitz said. Kayleen, that sounded like it was a really good interview. Yeah, it was kind of a different way to hear somebody talk about what, you know, food and agriculture and how it doesn't necessarily relate to religion, even though it does. I I don't know how to explain it without sounding a certain way, but people try to relate the naturalness of food back to their faith and religion when that's not necessarily the case. You know, they think that wholesome food is better for them. They think the less processed food is better than better for them. <laughs> it's just hard hard for me to, to explain. So I think what I'm hearing is um, there's this movement of the more wholesome your food is, whether that's a health halo or it's less processed, it equates to more holy in your in in those consumers' minds. Yeah. I mean, you said it better than I could. <laughs> That's interesting. And and honestly, I think we've seen waves of that. I remember in the 70s, my mom, 70s and 80s, my mom was on a holistic um, kick. You know, we we ate very natural foods. Uh, it, she was a farm wife that fully, you know, accepted and adopted the, the crunchy granola kind of thing. <laughs> I don't know if your mom yeah. was the same way. No, my mother was not that way. <laughs> well, um, it, we, ate, we ate a lot of hot dogs. We ate macaroni and cheese. We ate stuff that was fast, so she, they could get back out in the field. <laughs> well, we we did that too, but um, my mom also ground her own flour from our own wheat and made bread. And yeah, we didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Everybody gets raised differently. I think it's fascinating that we have a story like this in the pages of the High Plains Journal because, you know, it's not just about how we produce the food, but it's about how we consume the food. So I'm glad that you brought yeah. that to us. It was kind of a neat listen. It was, of course, it was a virtual event that they had. I was not expecting to listen to a religious studies or religious studies professor and be as interested in it as I was. And you know, he held my attention for a good 45 minutes, and that's saying a lot sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> On the Opinions and Editorials page, editor Dave Bergmeier has his column, Federal Aid, Sign of Uncertain Time. There's also a letter to the editor from Richard C. Chambers of Hayes, Kansas. Senate bill positive step to help reform cattle market. And Dave also has a book review about the publication, Profiles of Common and Uncommon Farm Animals Featured. You know, Dave also had a story about farm incomes. The 2019 Kansas Farm Income Summary and Projections continue to paint a bleak picture. Uh, As Kansas farmers are about to begin their summer activities, they face a tougher 2020 than what they ever saw in 2019. Uh, Dave listened into a recent webinar from the Kansas Farm Management Association at Kansas State, and Director Kevin Herbel said the 2019 farm income from its 2,000 farm families indicated an average farm income of $110,380. That was 9% higher than 2018 figures. However, he noted the top quarter averaged $330,000, but the bottom quarter experienced a $49,000 loss, and 18% of all farms surveyed showed a loss in 2019. This also varied by region, 
as South Central Kansas, Southeast Kansas had income drops of 30,000 and 25,000 respectively. And Jenny had a story about the virtual wheat tour wrapping up. They projected 284.4 million bushels during the event. The day two of the virtual wheat tour wrapped up May 20th with chimes of participants logging in on the Zoom conference platform to hear updates from the field. Once again, Aaron Harry's Kansas Wheat Vice President of Research and Operations moderated the call. The final tally from reports submitted by volunteers in the field was a two-day potential yield average of 42 bushels per acre, which is just under the USDA May estimate of 47 bushels per acre for the state's crop. And if you want to hear more about the virtual wheat tour, you should um, check out our previous episode from May, our May 18th episode. Uh, we have an interview with uh, Kansas Wheat CEO Justin Gilpin on there, and he talks a little bit more about the virtual wheat tour. And Jenny also had a, a, calm, a common ground column this week, play the cards you get. Tell me a little bit about how that, that idea came about. So... I always try to do a Father's Day column and a uh, graduation column. It's one of the two things that I always try to hit up on on June every year. And this year, graduation was just, it was so different for so many families across the United States, rural and and city families. You know, when, when you can't have the traditional cap and gown walking across the stage, that that does hurt. There's just been so many things that this spring has not, you know, so many traditions that just weren't there, but they were made in a, in a different way. And so I got to thinking the other day, this class of 2020, they have seen some adversity in the last three months. They chose not to focus on the can't, but to focus on how we can make do. And, and really, they did play the cards that they were dealt. They looked at it and said, okay, we can't, we can't be in person. Let's figure out Zoom and let's figure out TikTok and let's figure out how to drive and, you know, be social distant. And, and they, they adapted. And Kayleen, that is a leadership quality that I think future employers are going to fall over themselves to, to hire. And I, and it's how you play the cards that you're dealt. This was a bad hand all around, but there have been some tremendous kids out there and their families that have figured out how to play the cards that they were dealt. And I think that's something that's going to take them a lot further along in life. And, and I just hope that, I just hope people understand and, and look at that and go, where, what are the can'ts in my, in my life and what are the can-dos? Yeah, I agree. That's it's definitely a uh, different year, and those kids and those graduates have really kind of stepped up and really dealt, you know, like you said, with the hand that they got. So hopefully, it all turns out the way those those kids had hoped. Well, and um, you know, we also want to remind folks that our All Aboard Wheat Harvest is going to be starting up in the June 8th issue that'll be coming out this coming week. Um, I'm excited about that, Kayleen. All Aboard is coming back. Yeah. Year 11, is that what it is? I believe so. I believe it is year 11. And we are going to start having weekly interviews with our All Aboard Wheat Harvest 
correspondence starting next week on the podcast. And so uh, you want to tune in for that. And again, we want to thank our sponsors for All Aboard Wheat Harvest. Um, we continue to have more sponsors adding on every day. Uh, we've got Oklahoma Baptist Homes for Children, Unverfirth Manufacturing, AgriPro, Gleaner, and uh, BASF. And so we want to thank everybody that helps us bring All Aboard Wheat Harvest to you guys. So remember, folks, you can read more on the variety of ag issues facing farmers and ranchers in the print HPJ, or you can look for it online anytime at hpj.com. And if you have a response to something you've read or heard, please write to us at journal at hpj.com or hpjtalk at hpj.com. We want to hear from you. Pipelines Journal's Cattle U is thundering back to the United Wireless Arena in Dodge City, Kansas, July 29th and 30th. Don't miss your chance to hear from the top names in the cattle industry and learn how you can bring more value to your herd. Sessions will target all segments of the cattle business, from the cow-calf producer to the feedlot manager. For registration details, visit www.cattleu.net. And don't forget to look for the code in the print High Plains Journal for $30 off your registration. Visit cattleu.net today. Hey folks, this is Jennifer Latsky, and I'm joined on the podcast this week by Dr. Miles Thewer, research veterinarian with Veterinary Research and Consulting Services. Dr. Thewer, welcome to the podcast. Good day. Um, so you are going to be one of our uh, breakout session speakers. In fact, you're presenting two breakout sessions at our upcoming Cattle U and trade show July 29th and 30th in Dodge City, Kansas. We are just tickled to have you come out. Um, Dr. Thur, maybe start off talking about exactly what does um, VRCS do for cattlemen and, and how do you gather data and, and all the fun stuff that you get to learn because you have a fascinating job. Uh, we're pretty fortunate uh, with the what the opportunities we get to do and, and look forward to presenting and interacting and, and, and attending cattle use. So uh, a little bit about veterinary research and consulting services. Um, we're primarily a feedlot veterinary consulting group um, that provides uh, herd health recommendations um, for feed yards across the United States. Uh, currently, we for uh, feed yards and soccer operations, we serve 70 uh, clients from Texas to Washington and everywhere in between. Wow. And so uh, what, what we practice is evidence-based medicine. And so trying to make sure we determine the health and welfare of these animals throughout the supply chain is utmost cared for throughout for food safety purposes. Well, and with so many feedlots that you consult with, you see a lot of similarity, similar cases. You are able to gather more data points, which helps in creating health plans and, and keeping the cattle um, healthy and, and so that they can go on and, and serve a, a healthy purpose for us. Um, so it's, it's fascinating to me that you have such a broad, um, array of knowledge there at, at VRCS. 
you are going to come and speak at Cattle U about two topics that are kind of interesting um, for cattlemen. Not kind of inter- interesting. I think they're they're intriguing myself. Uh, first off, you're going to talk about uh, uh, morbidity in uh, the feeding. Let's see, mid feeding morbidity and death loss of cattle on feed. So, for the average listener. Um, explain what that means um, to a feed yard's bottom line and why that's something that feed yards need to pay attention to. Mid-feeding period morbidity has been an issue that we have been um, actively searching for potential causes. Um, And and so we're seeing it very commonly in about 45 to 120 days on feed. And and so when you think of it from a, uh, from a feed yard's bottom line um, standpoint, any morbidity um, leads to substance mortality or a reduction in performance losses. And and so there, there's a, um, utmost importance so we can get our hands around this so we can keep cattle healthy throughout the supply chain. Uh, it'll lead to more success and, and also more utilization of all the resources that were put in from the cow-calf producer, stocker operator, and feed yard to maximize those um, efficiencies throughout. And so we're, we're seeing, um, we're going to be talking, describing a little bit what we're seeing there with the, some of that timing and instance and um, population uh, and, and steps what we're trying to trying to take to get our hands further around some of these issues. You know, for people that may just be a casual observer of agriculture, it's really critical to understand that there are so many inputs so many points in a in a calf's life from the cow calf operation through as a stalker onto um, feeding, and at each point there's resources that are that are used, and there's labor that's used. There are costs that are encapsulated in that calf um, from birth until it is ultimately processed. And so, if you have a steer or a heifer that you know does not finish its job then you have you have lost all of the costs that you have put into that. So it's a it's a return on investment, but more importantly, we're looking at the health and, and welfare of the animal as it's growing and as it's in our care. That leads us back to your secondary breakout session. And there you're going to be talking about the stalker angle and the health and, and uh, raising of our stalker cattle. Uh, you want to expand a little bit more on that? Dr. Thurr? I'd be happy to. Uh, so with the stalker presentation, I'm going to be talking about some of the uh, things that we recommend from setting those cattle up for success, not only at the stalker operation, but also here preparing them for the transition to the feedlot side as well. Um, important to consider, um, you know, not only what is optimal, but also look at some of the economic and some of the the decisions that's based upon data for for managers to to implement into their operation. Yeah, that stalker stage is really critical because you're pulling cattle in from all over and you're mingling them together into your your uh, your feeding situation, and then you want to give them the very best opportunity that they have to be successful in a feedlot situation. And so you're really looking at their nutrition, at their health programs. Um, that's a, it's a really critical point in the whole process, isn't it? 
it is and so taking that time from those husbandry and and, and you know so not everything's just going to be from nutrition or, or management through a needle but the animal husbandry and care for those animals um certain things where we can see that sets those calves up for success um success and failures throughout throughout the the entire in supply chain uh and so kind of reviewing some of that information um the other thing that we also need you know need to take into account so we talk about the the health impacts on, on the cattle in both of these um talks but but we also uh you know, need to realize the importance from the personnel and the morale. So, so, so seeing these cattle that do get sick and, and, you know, it's not only from the animal welfare uh, component with that, but also the human side of that as well is we realize that the compassion and care of all our caretakers uh, go through and, and, and provide for these animals. And, and so seeing those animals that do subsequently become sick, uh, it, it takes a toll on them as well. And so something that we need to all take into consideration. Dr. Thur, I'm so glad you brought that up because as a cattleman's daughter, I, I understand that uh, all too well that that hurt in your heart when you've done your very best and you're just not successful and you don't know why and you want answers. And that's why I'm thankful that veterinarians like yourself and and others that you work with are continuing to find the answers that we can um, find success with our livestock that are in our care and and that we can um, do the very best to be good stewards of what's been put in our, in our responsibility. Isn't that right? It is. I mean, it is our, our responsibility and stewardship to, of the land and soil and the of the animals to, to try to set these cattle up for success. And, and fortunately, we don't have all the answers yet, but lots of efforts are being taken to, to gain more knowledge and information um, so we can continue to make more informed decisions um, each and every day. Well, Dr. Thur, I'm so tickled that you are going to be on the program at Cattle U and our trade show uh, July 29th. He's going to be speaking July 29th at uh, 2.30 and at 3.30. And you can register for Cattle U at cattleu.net. Um, there are uh, discount codes for subscribers, and you can find those in the pages of High Plains Journal. Um, Dr. Thur, we're excited to have you on board, and we hope that uh, folks come out and and they can learn and uh, and get some more knowledge and take it back to their farms and ranches and their feedlots. Looking forward to it, and looking forward to the interaction and discussion, and and see, and seeing the, all the people come out. I, I think it's a great program that's been put together, and uh, I think there'd be lots of knowledge uh, to be obtained from for everyone. Thanks. Well, hey, Dr. Thur, we will see you on the trail, okay? All right. Thank you. High Plains Journal is bringing wheat slash sorghum U back to the Kansas Star Event Center in Mulvane, Kansas, August 11th. Don't miss this one-day event with speakers from around the High Plains bringing you the education and tools you need to boost your wheat and sorghum bottom lines. Registration is free. Don't delay. Save your seat today at www.hpj.com. If you'd like to have crop or livestock targeted news emailed directly to you, sign up for our HPJ Direct email newsletters on our website, www.hpj.com slash sign up. 
Simply select the topics that interest you and you'll receive updates on them directly to your email. Be sure to watch for our hay, forage, and grazing genetics issue of High Plains Journal in your mailboxes June 8th with a story from Kayleen. And look for additional content online anytime at www.hpj.com. This week's episode was brought to you by Alta Seeds. Alta will debut its new iGrowth sorghum line July 8th in its first ever Sorghum Frontiers Virtual Field Day. iGrowth is the world's first non-GMO herbicide-tolerant sorghum that's now commercially available in the U.S. market, enabling pre- or post-emergent weed control. Be sure to register for the online access to Sorghum Frontiers via www.hpj.com slash Sorghum Frontiers and learn more about this new trait and the company that's bringing it to your farm. Remember, you can subscribe for free to this podcast at hpj.com slash podcasts. You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and wherever you download podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at HPJ Talk for news and commentary throughout the week. And you can always drop us a line at our email, hpjtalk at hpj.com. Thanks again, folks, for riding along with us as we bring ag news and commentary to you. And remember, as Dodge City's favorite lawman, Wyatt Earp, once said, fast is fine, but accuracy is everything. We'll see you on the trail. Dirt road in a gooseneck, saddle up with me. Dry land in God's country, crops far as I can see. Headlights on both ends of my day. This country life is for me. Ride with us, HPJ. Ride